Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Thank you. You can take a seat. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, could you just uh, bump up the, the fold back, please? That'd be great. Good morning. Great great to be back here again. This is one of the, uh, the favorite churches I love to speak in. Thank you. That's good. I can he- hear myself. Uh, always great to be back here, but this has got to be the hottest day this year. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I thought Melbourne was a hot place. You know, in Melbourne today, it'll be 35. Tomorrow, 17 is the maximum. 17. That's Melbourne. That's why we love that great city, uh, the great Southland down, down there. Uh, but always great, great, great to be back here. As, as Pastor mentioned, or he, he didn't mention, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but this church is one of the partners of what we are doing in the majority world. Uh, world Outreach is a mission that has about 250 expatriate missionaries and with them thousands of indigenous leaders all across the world. Uh, we work in 70 countries among 91 what we call least reached people groups, which is an ethno-linguistic group with no Christian presence or so few Christians that they can't plant churches and our mission is out there on the frontier doing some amazing stuff and just wanted you to know that through your partnership with us that this church is making a difference in some of the darkest most difficult nations on the earth and you may not hear about it all the time and missionaries may seem to be invisible people in invisible places doing invisible work but I want you to know they're real people doing a real work for God and through your through through your faithful through your prayer you are making a difference so I've come not only to bring a word today but to come to say thank you for this church's faithful support and all all you do through your mission work as well now in just a moment I want to share with you a word that's on my heart now normally when I come here I bring a message that's relevant to the church and that you can apply to your own life and certainly tonight if you don't normally come at night come at night it'll be a very different style of 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 message it's life application it'll be something that will inspire you but today I really feel strongly that I have a prophetic message from from the Lord now I'm a guest preacher here so I willingly submit to the leadership of of Pastor Shane and the eldership of this church and submit this word to you but I really believe church God is about to do something in this place that you have never seen before that you are poised in a position where something unprecedented is about to take place and I want to say friends these walls will not contain what God is about to do now normally when I'm preparing for a message I don't really get a discerning until about Thursday for some reason God doesn't speak till Thursdays about about Sunday uh, but this has been in my heart for weeks uh, just recently I was in the United Kingdom and it was freezing it was just above zero every, every day uh, I was over there to do to 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 promote our mission and this word came into my heart and I know that I know that this is the word of the Lord that this is not a funny message this hasn't got many stories it's straight scripture but I believe today that God will speak to you and I want to encourage you don't just listen to the voice of a man but listen to what the spirit would say despite the man or through the man that today you would receive something because I believe God is about to do something in this place in Jesus name oh just I did just just by the way if you're interested in what we're doing in mission there's some magazines and some brochures available out out there as well and they're free They're, they're all the ones that go normally all the free ones okay today I want to turn your attention to the book of Isaiah chapter 54 
Isaiah chapter 54. And in a couple of moments, I'll just read to you from verses 1 to 4. Uh, but the story or, or the oracle that I'm speaking about today goes from verses 1 to 10. So Isaiah chapter 54. And in a moment, I'll be reading to you from verses 1, 1 to 10. And the title of my message today is, Do Not Hold Back. And this would be my encouragement to you, no matter where you're at in your life and in this church, I don't want you to hold back any longer because God is about to do some some amazing stuff. Now, before I read the text today, I just want to give you an insight into the mindset of the people that Isaiah was writing to. Judah was in exile in Babylon. They're a long way from home. And about 100 to 150 years before this, Isaiah wrote his letter. Isn't that amazing? God knows, and God has a message for His people. You may feel abandoned. You may feel alone. You may feel like no one understands what you're going through today, but you need to know God knows. And God knew about the predicament that they would be in, and in decades before, He inspired him to write these words for the situation that they, they were in. But this was their mindset. We pray prayers, but nothing ever seems to be answered. We have promises from God, but they never seem to be fulfilled. Every year just seems like a repetition of the past year. It's not that we don't love God. It's just that things haven't unfolded in the way that we would expect. And as a result, I've lost my song. I've lost my shout and I've lost my joy. I go through the motions of everyday living without really getting ready for what God is about to do. I feel trapped in a downward spiral and the future just seems like a cruel repetition of the past. Why should I hope for a different future when today is just like every other day? That's the mindset that these people had. I don't know about you. I've felt like that many, many times as well. And this is the state of mind into which Isaiah wrote, wrote these words. But let me just give you some background here. As I mentioned, the, the people of Judah have been forcibly exiled into Babylon. And Isaiah had written decades before the word of the Lord to them. Initially, he prophesied that they had been deserving of the judgment because of their rebellion against God. But then, all of a sudden, in chapter 40, the whole tone changes. And God says, now I'm about to intervene. Now I'm about to do something. I'm about to bring you back to your homeland. I'm about to give you a glorious future. And our study passage follows what we know as Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is one of the cornerstone messianic prophetic passages that refers to the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ who is portrayed as the suffering servant. And it is through his vicarious suffering that the punishment for guilt and shame and uh, all that we've done would, would be taken away. And that's when we read those famous verses like, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that was upon him, uh, that, that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And so what it shows us is that the undeserving received incredible grace from God through the suffering servant and all of that means so much to us as well and with that back, back, background in mind let, let, let me just read Isaiah 54 verses 1 to 4 and I want you to receive this today in Jesus name it says sing O barren woman and you who never bore a child burst into song 
Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtains wide and do not hold back, but lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Listen to this. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Very powerful. Now you will notice in verse number one there that the Lord says, Sing, O barren woman. And so the Lord personifies his people as a barren woman. And at first, when you first read that, it may seem like a slap in the face. But to understand the remainder of the passage, we need to understand what it was like for an infertile woman in the culture of the ancient Near East. In the ancient world, to be barren was a disgrace, as it is today in many parts of Africa and the Middle East as well. A couple of years ago, we were preaching in Pakistan, and the other pastor that was there said, I have a word from God today that there are some married ladies here who've been unable to conceive. And if that is you, I want you to come forward and we will pray for you. And all these ladies came forward and they were weeping and they were howling because in their culture, it is seen that they're under a curse. It is seen that they are not blessed. And you would pray for them and they'd go, I don't know why God has not blessed me with a child because there is this cultural pressure upon them that if they haven't born a child, they haven't been a fruitful person and in the scriptural day to be childless brought terrible shame a childless woman was regarded as a failure she was someone who apparently had done some sin or perhaps she was judged unworthy of having a child and seeing other people bearing children would have been a source of anguish and sometimes jealousy a barren woman's life was one of regular agony and humiliation You think about Rachel, when she was consumed with jealousy over Leah's fertility. And she went to Jacob and burst out, give me children or I die. Or think about Hannah pouring out her soul in intoxicating sorrow when she explained to Eli that she was filled with anguish and grief that she did not have a son. Or you think about Elizabeth, who was five months pregnant, and she said, The Lord has done this for me. He has shown me his favor and taken my disgrace away from my people. Why then would God call his people a barren woman? Well, if we have a look forensically at at a couple of verses all around here, we discover that's how they felt about themselves. In verse number four, they felt disgraced. In verse number five, they felt unmarried. In verse number six, they felt rejected. In verse number six, they felt deserted. In verse number six, they felt distressed. In verse number seven, they felt abandoned, basically unloved. And when you put all those feelings together, it came to one glaring conclusion. The people felt like their life was barren. They just felt like a barren woman. And in many cases, in many senses, they were. They were exiled and enslaved. They had no answers to prayer. They had no promises being fulfilled. They had no hope of a meaningful future. And it was like they were saying, I feel like a barren woman. I feel like nothing is happening in my life or through my life. But then 
the Lord began to speak. Despite how they felt about themselves, the Lord was saying, that is not how I see you. That may be how things are at the moment, but through Isaiah, what he was saying was, oh, I'm about to do something inside of you that will turn everything around. And I just have this prophetic sense today that many of you feel barren in your spiritual life, in your social life, in your work life, in your financial life, in everything. You just feel barren. And I am here to declare today in the name of Jesus, God is about to do something inside of you. And what we're about to see is that God commanded his people to do three things. He commanded them to do three things, three things that we can apply to our lives as well. Number one is this. The first thing God said in this passage was this. I want you to burst into song and I want you to shout for joy. Now remember, they're already barren and they feel barren. And God says, in anticipation of what I'm about to do. I want you to burst into song and shout for joy. So far from belittling his people, verse number one is an amazing encouragement. The Lord says, sing, O barren woman, and burst into song, shout for joy, because I'm about to do something. So the Lord saw the reality that they, they were in, and what he was saying was, I am going to turn the thing that is a source of crushing pain into a source of erupting joy. The things that are grieving you at the moment, God says, I'm about to turn them around. And what you have sown in tears, you are going to reap with joy. And no longer are you going to be wailing over what's happening in your life. You're going to look back with incredible joy. And he told them here, he said, I want you to burst into song and shout for joy. And given their shame and disgrace that they were feeling, what a surprising thing that God would say. Sing, shout, and be filled with joy. And why? Why was God saying to them, I want you to get your song back. I want you to get your shout back. This is why, because God said, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And this is why God was saying, I want you to start singing and shouting. Because God says, I'm about to make you fruitful I'm about to answer your prayers I'm about to fulfill the promises that I have made God was saying I am about to turn everything around and I want to say to you today friends in the name of Jesus you need to get your song back you need to get your shout back you need to get your joy back and I'll tell you why because I prophesy today God is about to turn everything around therefore I, I suspect that when God said, you are a barren woman, it is very intentional. Why? Because I think he's suggesting here, he's reminding them of the mother of their nation, who was Sarah. Sarah, or Sarai, as she was known back then, was a barren woman, and she was unable to conceive. But when God divinely enabled her, she became the mother of a nation. By the enabling of God, Sarah gave birth to the son of promise, Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah produced Jacob. Jacob produced the 12 sons, which became the tribes of Israel. So they became a great nation through a barren woman. 
And even though Abraham was past the age of procreation and Sarah was past the age of conception and even though Abraham was sterile and even though Sarah was infertile, God enabled the impossible to become possible. God gave Abraham the supernatural power to produce life. God gave Sarah the supernatural power to conceive life. And as we read in Hebrews 11, verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made, made the promise. In other words, God was reminding them of the mother of their nation because he wanted to remind them, if I can turn a barren woman and make her fertile and out of that miracle produce a nation, am I not able to deliver you from this exile? Am I not able you to get you home to your homeland? Am I not able you to take you back where you are supposed to be? So what God was saying was, oh, you may be a barren woman, but I want you to remember I'm the God that turns barrenness into fruitfulness. So I want you, in response to that and with a heart of faith to start singing your songs all over again. I want you to start to get your shout back all over again. I want you to get joy back like you've never had before because if I can turn barren Sarah and make her into a great nation, I can do anything in your life. So I want to encourage you today, friends, if you feel barren, if today you are feeling abandoned by God and He feels distant and detached, if you feel the barrenness of unanswered prayers, if you just feel like the future is just going to be a mundane rep rep repetition of the past, I want to encourage you today to remember, God is the God who enables the barren to conceive. God is the God who has the power to do the impossible. God is the God who assures us of a glorious future. But we need to respond to him today and even though we may feel barren today get your song back get your shout back get your joy joy back and let that begin to confront the unbelief and the doubt that may be in your heart at the moment and begin to say the things that God is saying and pastor I just feel today in the name of Jesus over this house that God is about to do something you've never seen before and you've had a couple of barren years and difficult years and you've been through an inordinate amount of upheaval like I've never seen in any church before amazing I believe today God is saying it's a new day I'm going to do a new thing and if, if I, I can touch Sarah I'm going to touch you and I do believe that this church this building will not contain what God is about to do so if you've been holding back in worship and watching Rachel up here with all her heart trying to raise the dead. I pray that today in the name of Jesus that you will start singing to the Lord in your heart, not just in church, but in your car and in your home and in your workplace. Get your song back. Start worshiping the Lord once again. Get your shout back. You know, sometimes Aussies can be so conservative except at things like sport. And I pray that we have as much enthusiasm in the house of God as we ever do at the SCG or the MCG, the holy ground. And I pray that today that we would have a heart that says, God, I'm going to shout unto you with all my heart because you are about to do something amazing. So the Lord said, Num number one, shout for joy and begin to sing for joy with all of your heart. Number two, 
A second thing I see in this passage that God commanded his people to respond to, the, the, the second thing God said was, enlarge the place of your tent, or in subtitles, prepare for an expansive future. Get ready for what God is about to do. Now, in the culture of the day, it was the woman's job to erect the tent. There is a sermon there, but I'm not going there. It was the woman's job. So in anticipation of what God was about to do, now listen to this, in anticipation of what God was about to do, the barren woman, while she was still barren, was instructed to get her dwelling ready for increase. It hadn't happened yet, but God said, I'm about to do it. And in verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtains wide and do not hold back, but lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes and why why did God say get ready and prepare because verse number three says for you will spread out to the right and to the left your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities it was like the Lord was saying this if I can drive out the Canaanites to give you the promised land I can do it again and I'm about to overthrow and defeat and drive out any and every obstacle that prevents my people from living in the place where I want them to live and where there has been emptiness in your lives I am going to fill it and very soon you are going to be bursting at the seams and the undergirding prophetic point here from Isaiah was get ready and prepare. Get ready and prepare. Church, I hope you're hearing me today in the name of Jesus. In your life, in your world, in your marriage, get ready and prepare because life is about to be radically different. God was about to bless them abundantly and give them fruit like they had never seen, seen before. Now, of course, in the context of the day, they weren't living in tents. So what, what was God trying to say through Isaiah? I think verse 2 give, gives us a clue. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen. And with all that God had put, had put into their hearts, what he was wanting was enthusiasm and expectation for them to begin to defeat their cynicism and unbelief that, oh, next year will be the same as this year because every year is the same. He wanted them to overcome that and to get ready for what God was about to do. I'm urging you today to begin to expand your tent. And what this means is expanding our thinking, expanding our spiritual vocabulary, Vocabulary, expanding our life, expanding our generosity, expanding our serving, expanding our relationships, expanding our witnessing, expanding our daily devotional disciplines, extending our availability for God to use us, extending our prayer life, ex extending our anticipation, extending our faith. Get ready for what God is about to do. Don't limit God because you fail to prepare for what God is about to do and it's right in the middle of, of that verse that God says and I love these words do not hold back and I want to say it really loud here today church 
Do not hold back. There must be no delay, no procrastination, no hesitation. Let, let, let there be no limitation because there has been inaction. Don't limit God because we haven't got our hearts ready. But do not hold back. Taking those courageous steps of faith. Do not hold back. Speaking those words of faith. Do not hold back. Sowing those seeds of faith. Do not hold back. Living a life life of faith. Do not hold back doing all that you have within your hand to do. This is not a time to sit in your tent. This is a time to enlarge your tent and get ready for what God is about to do. And the sobering implication here is that a lack of preparation will produce a limitation in what God wants to do in and through and to them. So I'm encouraging you church, Get, get, get ready for what God is about to do. Do not hold back, but start to prepare because God is about to do something. He's about to answer your prayers. He's about to fulfill the promises. He's about to do something in this place like you have never seen before. So get ready for what God is about to do. And number three, the third and last thing I see in this passage that God told his people to do in anticipation for what he was about to do, num number three was, do not fear that the future is going to be a painful repetition of the past. I want to say it loud here today because this church has been through some stuff over many years. As I said before, truthfully, like I've never seen in any other church I go to. But I want you to know from this moment, the future is not going to be a repetition of the past. And there must be a place where you go, Lord, I am no longer going to fear that the future is just going to be the same old cycle year in and year out. This is what the Lord said. Verse number four, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Hallelujah. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. And verses 1 to 3 was like explosive relief. God had been watching and waiting and wanting to bless them. And his initiative through the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 had atoned for all of their sins. But there was another problem that the Lord had to address in their hearts. Not only were they filled with unbelief and doubt, they were also crippled with a paralyzing sense of shame and pain and regret. And they feared that their future would just be a repetition of the past. So God spoke into their lives and said, do not be afraid, do not fear disgrace. The future is not going to be as it has been in the past. Your failures and your faults will no longer have any bearing on your future because of what the suffering servant has done. That thing has passed away. And now the Lord was saying, I'm going to bless you and the past is no longer going to have any bearing on your future. You are not defined by what's taken place in the past. You are now defined by my prophetic purposes for you and I'm going to bring you to that place where I meant that you would be now the question comes here well what was the shame of their youth and what was the reproach of their widowhood I would suggest that the shame of their youth was their slavery in Egypt in Egypt, they were very much in the position that they were in now, dominated, enslaved, and without any hope for the future. They felt powerless, even though the Lord was their God. 
And I would suggest their widowhood is their exile that they're in at, at, at the moment. They were exiled and they were abandoned. And this generation felt, felt powerless and abandoned and ashamed of what their forefathers had done. And these two great events, Egypt and the exile in Babylon, were a source of incredible shame and disgrace and humiliation. But this is what the Lord told them to do. I want you to stop fearing that the future is going to be just like the past. You're not going to go back to Egypt and I'm going to bring you out of the exile and I'm going to bring you to the promised land and I am going to bless you. The past and the future is not going to be like the past. I'm about to do something new. And sometimes we too also feel restrained by the shame and the disgrace of the past. Maybe you have wasted years. Or maybe you've been disillusioned by fallen and failed leaders. Or maybe you've been involved in some stuff and some sin that took you a long way from God. Maybe you've been inactive and, 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 and immobilized in church. Or maybe you've been up and down. And maybe you just feel like, I don't want to have hope for the future just because of all that's taken place in the past. But I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we've got hope of a different future. And as we've got the Word of God in our hearts, God can reposition our life into something glorious and some, something amazing. And let me say out loud here today, our, our past is in the past. It is under the blood of Jesus. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions from us he does not hold it against us and I pray that today in the name of Jesus that we would just say Lord I give you my disgrace I give you my shame because I want to get ready for what you are about to do so the Lord said the future is not going to be a repetition of of, of the past and there were two reasons why God said the future will not be a repetition of the past the first was his unfailing and everlasting love. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now just have a listen to, to just a few of these words up here uh, from verses 1 to 10. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord who has compassion on you so Isaiah was saying oh yes you did incur the judgment of God but it was only a millisecond a moment in comparison to the everlasting love of the Lord so the Lord says the future is not going to be like the past why because I love you with a love that cannot fail and you are my people and I am love and because of that love I'm going to forgive I'm going to forget I'm going to renew I'm going to empower I'm going to make everything new I am going to restore you and the second reason why why God said that he, the future would not be a repetition of the past. Secondly, is that the Lord is our Redeemer. 
Listen to this. Verse 5. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected. For a brief moment I abandoned you. But with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. May we remember today how great God is a redemptive God. And that means he will do all within his power to bring forgiveness and wholeness to his people. He wants to bring people back. He wants to restore them. He takes the fragmented pieces of fallen and fractured lives and he brings them back together again. And by his grace, he restores them. I believe the Lord is here today to restore you. He is here to bring you back. He is is here to put your life back together again he's here to give you a sense of hope and a sense of future you say today oh my best days are in the past I say to you in Jesus name your best days are in the future you say but my life is just a fragment of what it was and I say to you today by the spirit of God God can restore you so that you are stronger and more uh, and more vital than you have ever been before I want to encourage you today to remember our God is a God of redemption So if you have been scarred by problems of your own making, if you feel like your life is in a mess, then I want to encourage you, our God, because of His compassion, will bring mountains down and valleys up to make a way for you and He will give you a hope and a future because that's what our great redeeming God does. In conclusion, in case you were worrying, in conclusion, Isaiah's hearers were called to do three things. They felt so barren. They felt so empty. They felt so abandoned. They felt so removed from God. But Isaiah said, it's a new day. And he told them to do three things. He told them firstly, come on burst into song and start shouting for joy because our God of power is about to make you fruitful. I want to say over to you today prophetically friend no matter where you're at God is about to make you fruitful like you have never seen before. Therefore number two is enlarge and stretch and lengthen and strengthen. In other words get ready for what God is about to do. If you've been holding back now is the time to get out of your tent and start getting ready and enlarging your heart and enlarging your life to get ready for what God is about to do. And thirdly, don't fear the future being a repetition of the past because our great, loving, redeeming God is here today by His Spirit to get hold of you and to, renew, and to restore you and renew you in Jesus' name. He is here to build you up. No one is here to condemn. No one is here to point the finger. We're just saying, Lord, do what you need to do in our hearts to get ready for what God is about to do. So, Pastor, I believe today this building will not contain what God's about to do. And that God is about to do something where you will be bursting at the seams in Jesus' name. I believe that with all of my heart. Would you mind standing with me, please? I'm just wondering if we could just close our eyes for a moment. Out of all that I've said today, what is the word of the Lord to you? What did the Lord say to you personally about your life?
Have you lost your song? Have you lost your shout? Have you lost your joy? Are you doing what you should have been doing? Are you preparing for what God is about to do? Or because of your failures or because of the barrenness, you've just come to the conclusion, well, things would just be as they always have been. God wants to restore you and renew you and get you ready for what he is about to do. Would you just take a a moment, please, to respond? The Lord looks for a response. And then we're going to pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to close in prayer in a moment because I I respect that you try and finish at a certain time. But I just want to take a moment to to pray over you, to pray over this church. If you feel today that you can identify with those exiles, you just feel so barren, so empty. And you're just saying today, Lord, I've heard this word and I believe this. I believe that if you can touch Sarah, And through a barren woman, you can create a nation that you can do amazing things through me. That, Lord, I believe that you're a God of love and you're a God of restoration. You're a redeemer. So, Lord, I'm responding to you today and I'm saying, Lord, make me exceptionally fruitful. If that's you, can I just invite you just to come forward, come stand at the front for a couple of moments in the presence of God. I'm going to pray over the church. But would you just come, just Respond to him. Thank you. Just come. Thank you. Rachel. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Would you, those who are at the front, or anyone who wants to, just raise your hands before the Lord. Now, we are in your presence, Lord, and we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you're our Redeemer. I pray for those who have responded today that, Lord, that you would do a restoring work of your Spirit in a powerful way. I pray for people to be renewed. I pray that they would know, Lord, all things passing away all things becoming new and father i pray over this house in the name of jesus i thank you that this is a new day i thank you that father something new is about to burst out and break lord break out in this house and lord we are open to you for you to do what only you you can do we thank you for this father jesus name I, I really feel to lay hands on people today. So can I just invite the pastoral team and the prayer team to come? And Rachel, if you're here, if you, you could just come and perhaps lead us in the song, that would be great, please. Could, could just get the prayer team to come. And those of you out the front, just open up your heart to him just to receive today.
Jesus' name.